flags in 100 years. The shithouse, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is uh, Tuesday, July the 16th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. Uh, it is 11.10am. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. Uh, and uh, it is with heavy hearts <laughs> we record, well, a heavy heart, we record this podcast today. Uh, we've just found out Alan Richardson has uh, handed in his notice at St Kilda literally Nine minutes ago, according to AFL.com, um, I got back home uh, ready to record the podcast. I didn't take my phone with me when I was out of the house. There were a number of messages. You'd think I was on the board at St Kilda. You'd think I was a player from the amount of people who texted me. Uh, Tom Brown. Well, just for the record, if we get the right new coach, you still could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Brown, uh, who's on your uh, radio show, he, he broke the news this morning. Is that right? Mr. Exclusive. No, he didn't. And so this is... That's why I said 11.10 in the intro, because normally we're about to start recording at 11. And what we tend to do is, you know, we're not looking at like Facebook or Twitter or any of these things while we're going through the podcast. So we were about to do a classic two guys, one cup move, which was to record a podcast at 11 o'clock where we would have talked about the fact that, you know, Saints are pretty good against Geelong and maybe Richo will hold on to his job. And he's had a tough season. I mean, he's had an incredible amount of injuries. And I think this is actually a real tick for Richo. I'm starting to feel pretty good about the fact that Richard will still be coach of the Saints and then uh, one minute later. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, look, it's been coming a long time. We did, do, it's kind of topical. We did have a big chat about Richard last week about the, mm. the pros and cons of him staying or going and you actually talked me around because you were like, what's the point? You know, who are they going to go shopping for? What's the point of letting him go? Let him coach out the season. But then I had an argument on a better football podcast yesterday, which is about the whole idea of attracting a free agent, like that they're going to want to know what the plan is. If you're going to go out and try and land yourself a big fish, then you need to have a plan in place. It's not good enough to wait till the end of the year. And then in the trade period, when everyone's going frantic, try and land yourself like a a big name player. So um, I'll just read you. Right, It feels like those American movies, Charlie, where, you know, there's the guy who's going to be the big high school uh, college quarterback. And they're trying to recruit, you know, various college quarterbacks, and they're getting invited to these, yeah. you know, fraternities and stuff. Are you basing you are you are basing this entirely on Jerry Maguire? Aren't you? I am basing this entire, and the reason he left was they would not show him the money, Charlie. <laughs> no, but I guess that's it, right? Yeah. Like you're trying to sell your program, and over yeah. there they get, they don't pay their players, so they're doing that idea that. You know, here's how I get you to go to this particular franchise in the college system. And it might be we'll get all the, you know, really attractive women from the local sort of sorority and they'll come down to some big party and these sort of things. So basically, Richo may well be a good coach and may well be the coach who could have taken them forward. But if you want to lure some hot young player down to the club, in fact, have St Kilda looked at the fact that they haven't been able to recruit a big name in the last few years and just gone, fuck it, blame Richo. <laughs> I reckon everything else here is great. It's got to be fucking Richo. That's why they're not coming. Well, I'll just read you. This is uh, from the AFL website, Damien Barrett. It's just a very short uh, annu- announcement. Alan, Alan Richardson has resigned as a secure coach. Richardson arrived at the decision after speaking with his own management on the weekend after the Saints lost to Geelong on Saturday night and told the club Tuesday morning. It is believed he will soon address the players. Richardson leaves the Saints... Hang on. 
What, what did you say? That he will address the players? Address. Soon address. Soon address. Uh, speak to the players. What did you think? Soon. I honestly thought you said he'll send address to the players. <laughs> yeah, he'll soon send like, address to the players to invite them to his in party. In the traditional way of informing your players that you have resigned as coach, he will send each of them address because he believes they play like girls <laughs> and it's that sort of old school attitude to women not being equal to men that means we have to move on to a new generational coach with his constantly sending people dresses. Uh, Richardson leaves the Saints six matches shy of six seasons in charge, 6-6-6. He enters a season 2019 under he entered season 2019 under immense pressure after a four-win return in 2018. He secured six victories this year, but injuries have severely hindered his cause more to come. And then it lists his coaching career. So let's just recap. So in 2014... Now, by the way, did you put in 666 or has Damien Barrett put no, in 666? No, that, that's, my, that's my little editorial. I thought for... And were you trying to link it to the idea of like Satan's number 666 or do you think that Alan Richardson has been a victim of the AFL's new rule that everyone must line up in 666? No, I was linking it to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic for the Saints. They realised they were like he's about to be six six six, and we're the Saints. We can't. We've got to sack him. Well, I, look. Okay, so this is Alan Richardson's coaching career. So 2014, he comes to the club um, after the failed Scott Waters experiment. After uh, uh, after um, Waters was shown the door after two years, I believe he coaches for. So 2014, he comes in. We jump the first. We jump some teams at the start of the year. We have four wins, but then we fall to 18 losses. We finish last. Just. Just before we get to, let's linger a little on Waters because I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Um, Between yes, Ross Lyon and Alan Richardson, the Waters era. Yeah. There was a little sort of, yeah. you know, when you break up with a long term partner, you get into a weird relationship that none of your friends can understand, and then you finally see the writing on the wall. Well, it's kind of like Scott it's kind of like on Buffy, you know, in between sort of Angel and Spike, there was that Riley yeah. character, and you're like, <laughs> oh fuck, that's right for two seasons. It was the most uninteresting love interest for Buffy. That's right. Two guys, one cup. We're, if we're not comparing coaches to Simpsons characters, we're bringing Buffy the Vampire Slayer to the fore. Yeah, so basically uh, Scott Waters was Riley in a curly wig. And I, I can't believe that he coached for two years. For me, in my mind, for some reason, it was just like a season and a preseason. It can't have been, but I think you're right. But was he sacked? Am I remembering this correctly? Was he sacked pre-season or, yes. at, some weird, or uh, post, at some weird time? Post-season. There was no discussion about sacking him. There was no even rumours of him. I think we were struggling, but I, there, there was no chat about us sacking him. But then there was a couple – I remember there was a couple articles written. Um, Mark Fine, Fine his final sign. Mark Fine, big Saints man, angry, angry man, big, big Saints fan. I remember he – um, went on a rampage, one of his late night talk shows when he was still on SEN about why Scott Waters didn't get St. Kilda and why he was the wrong man. And he was sort of, it was all this kind of cloak and dagger kind of allusions to uh, a best and fairest speech. Now, apparently Scott Waters at a best and fairest speech had talked about how St. Kilda too easily accepts mediocrity and the club has to sort of rise and there's a lot of players there who would come from that era. You know, there's Lenny Hayes, Nick Revolt, Joey Montagna. All those guys who played in those two grand finals who took offense to the fact that they were considered mediocre by Scott Waters. And then I think that led to uh, the hiring of a dwarf <laughs> at the uh, Mad Monday celebrations. I believe Clint Jones was responsible for that. Hired a dwarf and dressed him up like Scott, Wider, Scott Waters and he walked around the Mad Monday celebrations pretending to be Scott Waters. Now... So, was this the same party 
where Joey Montana set fire to a dwarf, or are there two separate St Kilda no, dwarf interesting? Was it Joey set fire to him, or was it Clint Jones? I think Clint Jones uh, hired and fired, literally, <laughs> the dwarf. I, I believe that Joey was involved. That okay. if he's not, he's been unfairly bookmarked for it on our show. Mm. But um, I'm going to... I'm going to Google it and see. Well, when uh, it comes to comes controversial events that Joe Montana was adjacent to, that's probably the lesser of the two, right? All right, here we go. So um, I'm going to read you an article from September the 4th, 2013. Uh, the dwarf <laughs> whose clothes were born, burnt in a bat. And I can, I'm reading from an article. I'm not, obviously we would not use that word ourselves these days unless we're referring to Snow White, but... This is from a different time, 2013. The dwarf, whose clothes were burnt in a Mad Monday debacle, claims St Kilda player Lee Montagna refused to pay for damages. Oh. Okay. So Montagna's teammate Clinton Jones has apologised and will pay $3,000 to charity after he burnt Blake Johnson's clothes with a lighter in a prank that went horribly wrong. So, okay. So Clint Jones has done the burning. Yeah. However, it's um, Lee Montagna who um, is involved as well. He's refused to pay for the damages. Right, right. And uh, Johnson, an entertainer, oh, Johnson, an entertainer known as Mr. Big, said, said Montagna had hired him oh, and a colleague to work at the Saints uh, Mad Monday. So, okay, so here we go. We're getting to the bottom of this. Lee Montagna has hired the dwarf. Now, so then is it Lee Montagna who's responsible for the Scotty Waters outfit? Because if you're doing the hiring, yes. I imagine you're also the person who's like, and here's how I want you to dress. Yes, 100%. Yes, definitely. Okay. So, and then... Which um, I think is in- interesting because from my understanding, when uh, when players would make fun of, will rib each other at training, Joey Montagna, the knock on Joey was always that he was a short. Like I think Rui would call him a jockey because he was so tiny. So I think finally Joey was like, ah, I can find someone who's smaller than me. I get to lord it over someone who's smaller than me. Or is it a matter of going, you're one of their people, go and talk to them. Yeah. You're, you're our front guy. They won't be intimidated by you. We can't send some seven-foot ruckman to have this conversation. It's just going to be comical. Um, all right. So according to Johnson, that's uh, Mr. Big, Montagna replied in an email, if you actually followed your job description and said you would entertain us, I'd be happy to. But to sit on a seat and drink water for two hours and still want your money does not constitute work in my book. Wow. I'm sorry if you felt your clothes were affected, but I also feel ripped off that I paid you money to entertain and you didn't make any effort to try and entertain. If you felt we were disrespectful, you should have told me when I asked, but you said everything was okay. So I believed you. And then he burnt his membership to the dwarf bird. Like that is like an AFL fan's lament about the players. <laughs> yeah, you, you should only get paid if you play well. And he's done it on the poor old dwarf entertainer. Well, I don't understand what the what uh, Mr. Big was meant to do. I, I, my understanding was that he was brought in to impersonate Scott Waters, right? That was the rumour. That's what- And he didn't do his job properly, which was a perfect impersonation of Scott Waters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. He sat in the corner doing nothing. Isn't that the perfect Scott Waters impression? 
This is what Scott Waters did when he was coached for two years. He sat in a chair, he drank water. These were the clear instructions I got about what you wanted. Now, Will, further breaking news. I've just received an email from the president of the St Kilda Football Club, Andrew Bassett. Hot off the presses. Oh, this really? just landed in my inbox. Dear Charlie, I'm writing to you today to inform you that the board of the St Kilda Football Club has accepted the resignation of senior coach Alan Richardson. After open- I assume, does that mean that they have, are they contacting you because you're an ambassador? Are you getting this news first or do you believe member. this is like a- It's a member. All Saints members. It's a member, so, I think. I've just got a little question. Yeah. Sorry to sidetrack, but I imagine we're going to keep talking about Richo for a while. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I would like to know, because they've filled in your name on that. They've personalized it, right? Yeah. Do they have a computer program that can just go through all the memberships? I guess they must, yeah. right? If there's 45,000. The, hello, like Jesus Christ. Well, of course, it's 2019. They can take my face and put it on Richo's body and they can do a press conference like that if they want to do. This is nothing. Are you serious? We live in the world of deep fakes. Right. Do you, do you think that's what St Kilda's spending all their money on? <laughs> deep fake technology. And they're like, we are going to get Clarko to coach the team next year. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the body double of Clarko that they've deep faked Clarko's head onto for press conferences. Yeah. We're going to revive Trevor Barker. We're going to put his face on just an actor, and Trevor Barker will be yeah. coaching the Saints. We Everyone loves Trevor Barker. Yeah, how do you Barker. feel about the fact that Trevor Barker and Daryl Bulldock are coaching the <laughs> yeah. Saints? How do you feel about that? And Tony Lockett and Stewie Lowe. They're all coming. Stewie Lowe's still alive. All right. Well, we'll get Stewie back in. <laughs> okay. He continues. After an open and honest discussion. Now, whenever a discussion is open and honest, it generally means someone's getting hurt, doesn't it? Like, open right. and honest is code for... We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to, you're going to cop it here. Yeah. It's really with somebody's like, I need to be really open and honest with you. I love you and here are your greatest qualities. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no. After open and honest discussions over the course of the season, Alan, the CEO, Matt Finnis, met yesterday and agreed the time was right to step down. On behalf of everyone at the football club, from the board to the players, staff and supporters, I want to thank Alan for his enormous contribution over the past six years. Well, look, I occasionally dip my toe into sensational from time to time. I don't know that there's a lot of uh, supporters who who are wanting a th- who are wanting to thank him on. We're wanting Andrew Bassett to thank Richard on behalf of them. Well, I think on the way out, you've got to be. I mean, that's good. That's gracious. Mm. That's on the spot. On the way out, you got to give him. You know. Give them the dignity on the way out that you gave them on the way in. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want this to be Scotty Scotty Waters. 2.0. You don't want the idea that one of the you know, Saints players is currently trying to you know, book a dwarf to you know, tell people that, that things are pleasing. <laughs> I want to extend our gratitude to Alan's wife, Joe, their boys, Lockie and Ben, who have allowed the St Kilda family to share their husband and dad during this time. Alan brought great integrity, knowledge and experience to our football program and under his leadership, the Foundation for Future Sex Success, success, success. (laughs) Success. That was a slip of the tongue. Has been laid. (laughs) We've got to get some hot young recruits, and therefore we're getting a coach who's here for future sex. He inherited his role at a difficult point in the club's history. Developed the young players now beginning to make their mark, took the club to the cusp of two finals appearances and in recent times showed great resilience in the face of adversity. And that's, a, that's something that I actually think is, a, is quite accurate. I remember when the Saints first got Richard, I, and I was still working at Seven, I saw Koshi at an event. And he was the, I think he's the director of coaching at Port Adelaide at the time. And when I asked Koshi, like, is Richo a good get? He said he's one of the best development coaches going around. Like, 
He's great with young players. He's a really solid individual. Young players really look up to him. He's a really good in a mentor role. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe that was the role that Richo should have always played. Like maybe we needed a young kind of Bevo type coach who was a bit more like, you know, spoke their language, but then a mentor director of coaching role. Like this will never happen. But I think maybe what would what would be a, what would have been a more ideal uh, scenario would be to push Richo into a, a a less hands-on director of coaching role, and then to bring in a younger coach that he could mentor, or at least you know someone that could consult with him as he took over the reins. There is some also, I think, value too to get someone in to get your culture right. And if they felt like after Waters that, you know, there was a whole bunch of things from top to bottom that needed to get fixed and that's why they've gone with a Richo type, that it isn't just about, you know, what's happening on the field, but it's about like kind of making sure the club is working as a you know, professional organisation from top to bottom. Mm. Then you bring in that coach, whether it be um, Brendan McCartney, um, you bring in, yeah, Richo. I mean, I think to a certain extent, maybe even that'll be a Brennan Bolton thing. Yeah. Because I think that at Carlton, Bolton's changed a lot of, you know, that club from top to bottom that someone in the future will benefit from. Mm. So sometimes I do feel like you need that coach to go, let's just fix everything else. And then, sorry, mate, you've done your job. This was actually what we needed you for. Mm. Um, there's nothing. Don't look at this as a failed experiment. Mm. So many of the things that you've put in place over the last five or six years are going to be things that, you know, in three or four years when we're regularly in the top four or whatever, it's going to be because of all the things that you put in place now, but you're not the guy who's going to take us to that. Well, that's the safe bet, isn't it? Like if you're a club that, you know, like St Kilda was definitely on the way down and you're needing to rebuild and perhaps, you know, reestablish the culture or bring in some leadership, then the worst that can happen is you bring in a coach who stabilizes. Maybe you don't win that many games, but you have that stabilizing influence. And the best scenario is that you get that stabilizing influence plus you're also winning games as well. Like I think... Because Richo, you know, I, I never... What's well, like Apple, right? That's what Apple did. They had Steve Jobs, who was like the brilliant ideas, but, you know, absolute nightmare human being, but full of just these revolutionary, brilliant ideas. And Apple's never been as innovative or as interesting since he went. But what they did was like, well, we can't just go and try to find another Steve Jobs mm. immediately after Steve Jobs. That's not going to work. What we need to do is put in a Tim Cook, you know, like a guy who's like, look at how, how nerdy he looks. He's got glasses. <laughs> that guy's never taken acid and thought about things. <laughs> Doesn't wear the same clothes every day. That's our guy. He vaccinates. Yeah, look, I was never uh, – look, I think Richo was always up against it. I mean, he's not the most charismatic media performer. You know, you don't really have a good sense of him, but he seems like a stable dude. And he's obviously like his knowledge, he's, he's coached at so many clubs, like he had to bring something in. But I always felt like he was going to be up against it because you you need to sell your club on something, especially when they're at the bottom of the ladder. You know, you don't quite have the players. Like you're, you're basically selling hope, which is what we did with the roadmap to 2018, you know, playing finals by 2018, next premiership by 2020. That's what we, that's what we sold in 2014. And so you're in a hiding to nothing really because that hope will last for about two or three years. But then when, you know, you don't start, start not winning games. And I think around about 2016, 2017, when we won 11 and 12 games, you know, people felt like we're on the right track. We we're charting the right way. The young players are coming good. But then you'd have to say he's been sacked not for this year, but for last year, right? Well, it's also one of those things where it's sometimes – you know, at a company, even though it's been the workers at the company that have let you down, they have to fire the CEO. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's not the, 
it's not the worker, you know, in the burger. It, well, it's not the boss that, you know, was the person who wasn't, you know, the saints on the field have let him down. Mm. But some of it's been injuries. I, I mean, I, I watched them against Geelong and you're not that far away when you bring back in, you know, your best players. Jack Stephen, To Dylan being a Robin. very, very competitive football team that, you know, would be thereabouts in the finals. And that's the bit that I think's, you know, tough on Richo is, I think the Saints are going okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you took last year out of the equation, this year it's been pretty good. Getting six wins out of this list, considering what we've faced, it's been a pretty good job. All right, so uh, Bassett continues, Alan's selflessness and focus on what is right for the playing group and club has always been immense, but perhaps it's been best demonstrated the past two days. There's no escaping the significant setbacks we have faced this year in regards to player availability. And these, as you would expect... Can you... Sorry, can you... Just go back over that sentence about Richo and what, selflessness. What he's good at. Alan's selflessness yeah. and focus on what is right for the playing group and club has always been immense, but perhaps it's been best demonstrated in the past two days. Okay, so what I love about what he's saying there is Alan has always wanted to do what is best for the club. <laughs> and we think the best decision he's ever made for the club is that he will no longer be involved in the club. <laughs> There's no escaping the significance. What's setbacks. the highlight of his career when he chose not to be here anymore? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, he's faced significant setbacks uh, this year in regards to player availability, and as you expect, this is taken into account in our decision. But ultimately, after six years under Alan's leadership, the team performance and the position in which we find ourselves isn't where it needs to be. This responsibility doesn't just rest with the senior coach. To your point, Will, mm-hmm. uh, that's not yes. Andrew Bassett writing that. That's me editorializing. Right. That would be weird if he's. <laughs> Address this email to me and, and mentions you. They listen yeah. to everything. Oh, Huawei is our new sponsor, our new major sponsor. <laughs> um, the responsibility doesn't rest with the senior coach, and indeed, we feel that the performance and Alan of the rest of the coaching group in adverse circumstances year is to be commended. However, after significant consideration, we believe the time is right to introduce a new voice to oversee the next stage in our development and drive us forward. We're an exciting stage with our best players recommitted to the club long term. Our return to RSEA Park in Moorabbin now complete. Now, young talent beginning to demonstrate what they are capable of. Alan understands the club's position and his decision to step down effective immediately allows the club the time and space to find the next coach of the St Kilda Football Club. Here's the important bit. Brett Ratton has accepted the senior role in a caretaking capacity. I know Brett and the other experienced members of our coaching team are determined to finish off the year in a manner befitting the commitment of our supporters. Mm, interesting. Very interesting, right? Right. I mean, I think, to me, when we talked last week about who the Saints might get, Ratton, to me, seems the most logical choice. He was coaching well as a senior coach before he got booted by Carlton. He's been at the club for a year, so you think he would have the most intimate understanding of what the club needs, what we have and what we're lacking, right? Yes, but at the same time, and this is always the interesting thing with the assistant or one of the other members of the team, you're like, yeah, but you've just admitted that it's a top to bottom you know, problem and this person has been part of the group. Mm. Well, I guess... It- I mean, I think Ratton's a good coach and I think Ratton should get an opportunity to coach again. And as we've talked about, like, you know, I've got a bit of a fondness for Ratton back to Carlton, but I think Ratton deserves another opportunity to coach an AFL team. But if you're saying that the problem is, you know, that we have to take responsibility for the problem and they need a new voice, is the new voice just that guy who has always been there, but he just gets to talk more? Well, I think, I mean, we play your boys this week. 
So I think we look. It could be one of those things where it's. <laughs> did you haven't considered that, have you? That you're going to get the emotional oh, bounce back <laughs> just when you well, guys are had, charging towards the finals. We've had such a bad run with that this year too. <laughs> oh, really? I think we got Carlton. We got. <laughs> I think we got Carlton. We got. Um, we definitely got. Well, we got the final Brad Scott game. Right. We got that, and now you fuckers. <laughs> we are really. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best tactic against the Bulldogs. Just sack your coach beforehand. Sack your coach. Uh, how much... So I, it leads me to this question, I guess, which is how much effect is the coach and how much is the players and where should the blame be apportioned? So I propose in the history of um, this podcast coming up with outrageous rules, mm. how about this? For one round a year, um, you know, so we have all these theme rounds. Here's mid, about mid-season, over the buy rounds, perhaps. You know, you split it up over the buy rounds to make the games a bit more interesting. And we institute, for the three weeks of the buy period, a coach swap. Oh. So every team, the names of the coaches. Or, or is it more of a coached at first sight? <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Every team in the competition, they put uh, their coach's name into like, you know, a hat in the middle of the MCG. I love it. It's like the ice storm, but for coaches. (laughs) Yeah. And then all the captains come out and they have to pull a coach's name out of the hat. Yeah. And then that person for that two, for that three week period, which constitutes two games, coaches that other team. And we get a real insight into, you know, like what effect the coach has versus what effect the players. I think that's a great idea. I mean, do you think that, but I mean, well, that's actually really good because then you really find out is Clarko like the best coach of all time? Because what happens if Clarko gets Gold Coast, you know? and wins two in a row. Wins two in a row. (laughs) Over three weeks. I think they should institute that. I don't know how you get away with it. I don't know who pays for it. Does the other team pay them? Is your club, the original club, paying them while they're on that three-week hiatus? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about this? To make it even more, you suspend the coach's play for three weeks unless they win. So it actually becomes like a a mini competition where there's huge prize money on offer. (laughs) If you win two games in a row, it's like a million dollars. Have the coaches. Oh, okay. What we do, yeah. All the coaches' money goes into a pool like Monopoly uh, in jail. So you put all the money in a pool, every single coach's wage. And they call it the soup, the super coach. Yes, super coach. Yeah, right. So it's the super coach. So three, not to be confused with super coach. This is the, the super, super coach. coach. Yeah, the super coach experience. In brackets, yeah. not to be confused, not to be confused with super coach. And so they all go into a hat in the middle of the ground. In another hat is all the coaches, like you know pay as a big or a pile of cash this is what what the coaches all of them combined would earn for this three-week period and it's winner takes all so the coach that finishes with the best record at the end of those three weeks takes all the money i mean wouldn't it be amazing to see like stewie jew coaching geelong like give stewie a break i mean doesn't he deserve that well also like you know they get to pick up it'd be good for the competition yeah like you said you know stewie gets a little bit of time and you know the other thing is if you're like some Melbourne coach who's having a terrible season and you're stuck in a Melbourne winter, you know, three weeks coaching the Gold Coast isn't the worst thing in the world. No, not at all. I mean, I do wonder about that. Like, 
you know, I think about Guy McKenna and, and Stewie Jew, not Rodney Eads so much because he, he's, he, you know, he's coached other teams, but it really is unfair. It's not a great indicator of whether or not those guys can coach with what they were given. You know, like Blue McKenna trying to sort of establish a team and then uh, now Stewie Jew trying to drag this team out of the mud. Like, it's, I feel sorry for those guys because potentially their entire senior coaching career could be on the line based on this AFL experiment. And it works the other way around, right? Which is the Brendan Bolton essentially got the job at Carlton off the fact that he coached Hawthorne for five weeks and they won every week. But Hawthorne at that stage won every week. Mm. And so that might be an example in so do, do, yeah they took out of that that Brendan Bolton was also a great coach but the truth is that you know it might have been a situation where I could have coached Hawthorne for those five weeks and they would have won every week yeah you know well it's that argument they used to, like this about Alan Jeans with the Hawthorne teams in the 80s and early 90s it's like that team could have coached itself to premierships <laughs> like when you look at the list that they had so yeah interesting experiment yeah let's three, do it. three weeks two games each Who's the greatest coach in the AFL? It's, uh, yeah, the super coach round, not to be confused with super coach. So Matt Finnis, uh, today's announcement, uh, I want to address the rigorous process. We'll now begin to find the next coach of the St Kilda Football Club. Speculation the club has predetermined position on potential candidates should be completely disregarded. I cannot overstate the value everyone at the football club places in strong governance. And in any and any suggestion otherwise is simply unfounded. We will put together a selection committee, which I will chair to evaluate all the possible options for the role. Those selection committees always make me laugh because it's always like they get a couple of club legends and stuff, and then it's like they'll bring in like Robert Walls or someone like that. And I'm like, oh no, why get Robert Walls in? Why get some crusty old guy? Speaking of crusty old guys, did you see the Melbourne? Um, oh, you would have the Melbourne Bulldogs game. Lee Matthews, who we love. Lee Matthews, who is a great of the game. But he dropped an absolute clangour when uh, the Dunkley brothers, when the Melbourne Dunkley brother was lining up for a shot on goal with his brother on the mark. And they were laughing about, ah, you know, they must have done this in the backyard many times. And then Lethal pipes up. Did you hear this? With his like, I wonder if afterwards yes. he'll go up to him and say, hey, uh, my dad had sex with your mum. <laughs> And it was just dead silence for about five seconds as the commentators deftly sidestepped that old man joke and got on with the commentary. So, Charlie, we had a break in transmission, obviously, yeah. down at St Kilda, their advanced AI that they're working on. I mean, they had a little bit of a pause, um, obviously, because they've got a lot of things on their plate this morning, but our, our transmission was interrupted in the meantime, I've gone and made myself a cup of coffee and I've had an idea about the super coach round oh. in brackets, not to be confused with super coach. Okay. So at the start, I had the idea that it was a random allocation of coaches. But if we really want to find out at the end of a three-week period, two games only, who the super coach is, that's too random a process to assess who's a good coach and who's a bad coach. So I think that the way that you do it, you have to swap the coach of the team that is first on the ladder with the coach of the team that is 18th on the ladder and then go down in in positions and then you're measuring both the success of the team that was coached versus the success yeah the other team so that's your accurate measurement so mm. you're swapping 
within a framework that gives people the best potential to coach well. But what about as you get closer to the middle of the ladder? Does that tell you much about those coaches? Like if you've got ninth v tenth or swapping ninth swapping with tenth, because you're saying well, in some in some ways it's a more accurate reflection because. If you've got a team that's in ninth and a team that's in tenth and they swap coaches and one of them does exponentially better than the other one, then it's clearly down to the coach. Whereas like you might argue that there's not much that Chris Scott can do with, you know, the Gold Coast in three weeks, apart from maybe bring Gary Ablett back. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about some other games. So Richo, Vale, we hardly knew ye, um, all the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I feel sorry. I guess this is the reason that, um, you know, I guess bringing in a new coach, you know, if you, get, if you bring in someone who's outside the system, because we were talking about why you keep people who are inside the system as the replacement coach. Mm. The truth is that I guess there's so much to learn. You don't want to waste like two weeks of bringing someone in new and having to like introduce them to everyone and how where things are kept and all that sort of just boring day-to-day of being a coach. I mean, obviously down at St Kilda, it'd be a bit easier learning the players' names. Yeah. Because you just go, Jack, John, when in doubt, say a name that starts with J. Well, funnily, you should bring that up, Will, because we actually had some correspondence. And I know we're saving this for when we do a proper mailbag episode, but we did have uh, someone send us a message on our Facebook page, Two Guys, One Cup, on Facebook, um, with a solution that he feels would help the St Kilda Football Club, along those lines. Um, so, sorry, just bring... All right, here we go. Hey, Will and Charlie, this is from Angus. Hey, Will and Charlie, love the pod. Started on Two Guys, One Cup, then found my way to Tofop and have recently become a proud Patreon subscriber, which, oh, it's worth bringing that up, Will. If people like this podcast and want to support the show, they might not know that we have a bunch of other podcasts at tofop.com and... The way we run our network is mainly through uh, supporter donations, through Patreon. So Patreon is like a crowdfunding site. Much like the AFL, we are a non-profit organization (laughs) that relies on members signing up to it for us to function. So if you'd like to support this show plus the other podcasts we do, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. That's T-O-F-O-P. And that money goes to uh, helping us make this show. Helps bring you the hot takes uh, like you've received so far on the show. Um, Angus continues. This one is mainly for you, Charlie, but I'm looking uh, for Will's input too. I've put together a four-step plan to revitalize St Kilda next year after a disappointing season. Revolves around what the St Kilda Footy Club values above all else, the name Jack. Step one, St Kilda aggressively trades all players not named Jack for players named Jack. The prime target... I mean, here's what I will say to Angus. Already... Based on that one suggestion alone, you are number one in my rankings of who should get this and kill the coaching job. <laughs> like, I, I don't even care what the next three steps are. So far, I am all in. <laughs> take my money. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> The prime target is obviously Jack Revolt in order to bring the Revolt name back to St. Kilda. Yes. Other A-grade targets include Jack McRae. Sorry, Will. Oh, I mean, terrible for the Bulldogs, but a great recruiting strategy so far. Like, you've got a good forward to teach your young forwards, you know, what they need to know. You've got one of the great, great gun midfielders in the competition. Okay, so far, two jacks. It's a good hand. Jack Zebel bringing a bit of leadership, bit of hardness. 
Oh, hardness. I mean, he's been... I mean, the fact that he got shut down a little bit on the weekend was, I think, the reason that North didn't get across the line. He, I've become a huge Jack Zebel fan. I'm totally behind this all-Jacks policy so far. Well, last week, Jack Zebel, when we played the Kangaroos, he ironed out Hunter Clark, our young high draft pick. So I think that's good. Yeah. You sort of because every his name wasn't Jack. Well, <laughs> but every good movie starts with a villain in the sequel. Then the villain becomes like you know the hero, or the mentor. Think about Rocky Three and Apollo Creed. So Jack Zebel comes in and helps the club. Jack Crisp, I'm not sure is Jack Crisp an A grader. Yes, I would say yes. Really, I reckon he is. Well, I mean, uh. Probably a B, B plus. plus grader. A B plus grader. Yeah. And he's just flipped it on his head slightly. A bit of kind of experience, a bit of a veteran. Kieran Jack. <laughs> it's fine. Maybe even re-recruit Brandon Jack. <laughs> the rest of the list can be filled out with the B minus, C minus and D grade Jacks that litter the list of other clubs. Step two. Well, obviously this message was sent to us a couple of days ago. Alan Richardson <laughs> is given a guarantee that he won't be fired. Next year, if he legally changes his name to Jack Jackson. Well, maybe this is why he's gone. He said, I know what's best for the club. He's walking away. He's letting Brett Ratton coach for the six weeks while he goes through the intensive, um, pro- like it takes a little while to change the name legally. Yeah. So he needs to like, you know, obviously get all these affairs in order, get some new credit cards, get a new Medicare number, all these sort of things. Yeah. Get, you know, his driver's license redone. He, he thinks that's going to take him about six weeks, which still gives him an opportunity to also grow a moustache <laughs> and reapply, <laughs> reapply for the St Kilda coaching job under the name Jack Jackson. I think he should be Jack Jacko Jackson. That makes the most sense Jack to me. Jack Jacko Jackson. <laughs> and then uh, Angus continues, this is assuming he hasn't already been fired by the time you get this message. Well, <laughs> oh, well done, Angus. Step three. The club song is changed to Do It Again by Steely Dan. I don't quite get that. Does it have a lot of Jackson title? Can you just Google Do It Again? I'll do it. Do It Again lyrics, okay. Steely Dan. Do it. Because I thought when you were going to go with a song, like to me, obviously, you know, Whispering Jack, John oh, yeah. Farnham. Right, let's have like, a look I at mean, the lyrics. And this, the- so before, I reckon before every game to outdo Port Melbourne, uh, Port Adelaide, sorry, you know, with their Never Tear Us Apart, I would like the St Kilda fans to get there 45 minutes early and the tradition becomes, as a warm-up for the big games, you sing from start to finish the entirety of John Farnham's Whispering Jack. <laughs> okay, this is why he's, he's suggested Steely Dan's do it again. Uh, in the morning, you go gunning for the man who stole your water and you fire till he's done, but they catch you at the border and the mourners are all singing as they drag you by your feet, but the hangman isn't hanging as they put you on the street. That's not the important part. This is the important bit. You go back, Jack. You do it again. Wheels turning round and round. You go back, Jack. Do it again. You go back, Jack. Do it again. You're familiar with the song, Will? What about Hit the Road, Jack? And don't you come back no more. Oh, no, that's when they get rid of someone. That's when they trade a Jack out. You'd say Hit the Road, Jack. Jack, Jack, Jack. What about, what about that song? Jack, Jack, Jackie. Remember that song? <laughs> No. Hang on. Uh, this might be okay. delivery men. I've got to take this course. Pause one okay. sec. I'm getting a delivery in an hour. <laughs> Just so you uh, know. Charlie. Yeah. Well, well, while you were away, I started having some more thinking around Jack. Yeah. Uh, so St Kilda, obviously, what are your colours? Red, white. And, and Jack. Black. So, yeah, red, white and Jack. And then you get Jack White. Ah. And... Jack Black. Yes. 
to do a song with Jack Red. Jack, yeah, the <laughs> guy from Simply Red who changes his name to Jack. <laughs> Step four in Angus's plan: St Kilda launches their season with a name change party at Seaford, and the newly christened St Kilda Jacks play a game of Jack in the Pack to celebrate. The party is concluded with the unveiling of the club's new mascot, Jack Jack from the Invincibles. <laughs> Um, what about uh, the opportunity for commentators when it's jack on, jack off? Yep. Yep. I like that. I mean, oh, and what if one of the jacks marries a girl called Diane and they can be Jack and Diane? And they have a little ditty about him? <laughs> Let's jump and Jack Flash. That'd be a good song that they could play, Jump and Jack Flash. Um, can't think of any more jacks. Let's say, hey, well, let's get off jacks and let's get on to backs. And let's get specifically about backs against the wall because last week I predicted it and I was the only one who did. I said Collingwood are definitely going to win that game at Optus Stadium because their backs could not have been closer to the wall. I would like to acknowledge that you said that and then in the last 48 hours I've heard everybody in the single world say that. Oh, really? Like even before the game on Friday night in the package they did, or the jackage, as it'll be called when it's St Kilda. But in the package that they did before the game, they mentioned that Collingwood had their backs against the wall. And then during the commentary, it got mentioned that they had their backs against the wall. And then on Sunday, I heard all these commentators going, well, of course Collingwood won because they had their backs against the wall. And I was just like, we were on this well before anybody else. Yeah. But I'm going to add a caveat, if okay. I may. You can. I believe that what I thought at the time, because I also am a subscriber to Backs Against the Wall, I just did not believe that their backs were far enough against the wall to pick them against West Coast. And I would like to think that I was right. Because up until about halfway through the third quarter, it looked like West Coast were going to win that from by miles. But then Collingwood, Darcy Moore was out for the whole game. Pendles. Yeah, they, they looked... It was Pendles had broken his finger. It, it looked like it was all falling apart. And I think that was the extra bit of backs against the walls that really got them across the line. Do you think that Do you think that Bucks just went up to Pendles at three-quarter time and just said, hey, Pendles, come here, and then just flicked him in the eyeball? Fuck, what did you do that for? Trust yeah, me. broke his finger. Yeah. Like he said, shake hands yeah. and broke his finger. Yeah. I think Nathan's just broken my finger. Uh, yeah. No, it was – I I – I wasn't watching the game. I was sort of following it on my phone when West Coast, but then in the third quarter when they started to make their move, I was like, backs against a wall. I have to watch this. And I was not on the edge of my seat. I didn't watch that game going, wow, who's going to win? I was so certain of the fact that Collingwood were going to win this game because they just always win these games. You just never... I Because I even went back... Because I wanted to make sure before I gloated that I did actually tip them. And I went back and listened to last week's episode and I very definitely tipped them. And my words were, you never tip against them when it's this far against the wall. Now, I understand your doubt was, could they have been further against the wall? They needed like a significant injury before the game started or something. But I think it was enough against the wall. There was enough people who had written them off. It was really people discussing by how much West Coast were going to win. And that's the other thing too, is... It was the way in which West Coast were being talked up. That also contributes to backs against the wall. It's not just about how on the knees 
well, why am I bringing on your knees? That's the wrong metaphor. It's not just how badly your team is up against it. It's also how much the other team is flying. And West Coast, to that point, were flying. Well, so this is what I, I mean, again, I absolutely 100% subscribe to what you're saying. All I'm saying is that if you'd watched the game, their backs get even further against the wall. <laughs> because I would like to offer some things. Firstly, it's like they wanted their backs to be against the wall because their banner taunted the West Coast Eagles. You're right. So they've got the banner up. You don't remember their banner blew over on yeah. Grand Final Day. Yeah. So they were making a joke about their wonky banner on Grand Final Day. But then the last line of it is sledging, the, at least we don't like walk, uh, run out in, inside a giant inflatable eagle. And yeah, because that's the big thing the Eagles do at the start of the game. They have that big inflatable eagle over the tunnel and they all come out and you know to the to Wolf Mother. Right. So they play some Wolf Mother. I haven't actually Probably seen that. So do they exit the Eagles cloaca? <laughs> no, it's out it's out the mouth of the oh, Eagles. Okay. So I guess they I guess they enter technically <laughs> the Eagles cloaca. Can we get some confirmation? Any of our West Coast fans out there, do the players enter the Eagles cloaca to exit its mouth? You know what? I love because what? Yeah, you know, it's a tunnel, and then it's only half an eagle. Oh, so right, it's a, okay. it's a, it's like a mer eagle. Okay, like you know what I mean? Like it's only yeah. an eagle from the waist up. Yeah, but so they basically go from the stomach out the mouth. Right. However, to be completely accurate, I would love if back <laughs> in the tunnel they had to crawl into the cloaca of the eagle. <laughs> And then go through the tunnel out the mouth. When they had that eagle built, they didn't realize that the guy who constructs those giant inflatable things is a stickler for realism. (laughs) It's like, yes, I built a cloaca in this thing and it is dimensionally perfect. You'll have to squeeze in there. It's quite a tight fit. I don't care if you need half an inflatable eagle. (laughs) I make... Inflatable eagles, giant inflatable eagles. This is my art. Half an inflatable eagle, mate. This is my passion. I don't care what you do with it once it's yours, but I'm making the whole eagle. And my favourite bit's the cloaca. I didn't study two years at inflatable animal school to not do my cloaca. I start with the cloaca and then build the rest of the eagle out. I'm not sure I can even technically build an eagle without starting at the cloaca. I mean, technically, if you have a bunch of eagles emerging out of a bigger eagle, does that make them a Tadurkin? Yeah. <laughs> like, are they the West Coast Tadurkins? At least for that moment when they run on the ground? I mean, that'd be great. If you were like an eagle and inside it, it's a giant inflatable chicken. And inside it, it's a giant inflatable pig. And you're just like... <laughs> Uh, so yes, yeah, so they have this uh, uh, giant inflatable eagle. Wolf mother plays. Fireworks go off. Yep. It's a, a big spectacle, right? So Collingwood in Western Australia, on their banner, got the crowd even more offside. Like classic heel turn. To me, that is like that's them not them downplaying the crowd or going we need to silence the crowd. That's them saying Provoking. we don't care. Give us your best. That to me is them putting the backs further against the wall do you know that's yeah. a classic backs against the wall then darcy moore you know their most important backman probably yeah and injured for the whole game probably probably wasn't even injured probably nathan buckley's probably just said to him everyone knows you got a dodgy hamstring just pretend because mm. we need to get our backs further against the wall and then in the first half that first half of that game on friday night was the most entertaining first half of foot yeah half of football i've seen all season really the skills 
It was like end to end, but not in that classic neither team's playing defense. It was just like these are the best two teams in the competition and they're playing just amazing, clean, you know, football, kicking straight for goals, blah, blah, blah. And they've gone in at half time, and you're just like, you know what? If it keeps going like this, West Coast's going to win. They're the, if it, and Buckley's like, this is no good. This is not backs against the wall. We can't get across the line. Yeah, plenty well. <laughs> exactly. Break Scott Pendlebury's finger. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll pop, be right. pop Darcy Moore's hamstring. So, do you feel like there are certain losses which are more than just the four points? Do you feel like psychologically, I mean, Nick Nat may be out for the rest of the year. I think that's the talk, isn't it? Yes. So, so this loss, not only did they lose, you know, their returning Ruckman, but just psychologically, the team that they had the wood over, the team that they couldn't possibly lose to, they lose in their home deck after leading for the first two, two or three quarters. Does that, does that change your view of West Coast's chances this year? Do you suddenly bring them back to the pack? No, because I don't think Collingwood are the pack. I think Collingwood are one of the other teams that is most likely. I mean, in the grand final, it, you know, it could have gone the other way. By, like, I mean, they've played some close games to each other. It's not like West Coast have absolutely smashed Collingwood every time they've played or anything. Mm. So I don't think so. And I think West Coast was still, they just, West Coast just had that a quarter and a half where for whatever reason they did not play. I mean, and a lot of it was Collingwood were great, but another part of it was like, West Coast just forgot. In that first half, they Cameron and Rioli and all these guys. You were just like, these guys are playing at a different level. To And then that sort of went away. You know, they started to have to play like decent hard football. Collingwood just played great. I, like, I mean, it was just a really, it was a really great victory. I know, but I was enjoying that kind of six weeks of Collingwood not playing great footy and everyone, all the knives been out and stuff. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten how much fun it was to like hate on Collingwood, but now they're good again. I'm like, nah. I don't know if they're great again yet. No, I said good. Mate, I didn't say great. Make Collingwood yeah. great again. Yeah. And if Pendlebury misses Marker. like a whole bunch of football and Darcy Moore's going to be harder to cover as a permanent, like, yeah, sometimes on the day you're fine with that, but the next five weeks are going to be harder. They've, they've still got some pretty hard times in front of them. And uh, the Blues, exciting times. Three out of what the last five games have won. David Teague with the training wheels on, continuing to prove that. Well, what does it prove? Does it prove that Brendan Bolton was just not the right guy for the job? Or does it prove that David Teague's actually a really good coach? It proves that a change is as good as a holiday. Yeah, but it's more than that. It's been a few weeks now. Like, he's had time to settle into the role, and they actually are playing better football. Yes, they're playing better football, but because I think that all the hard things that Brendan Bolton had to do to teach them all the shit they needed to do, eventually you just get told that was the that was the Bulldogs thing. Mm. Yeah, that you lose the players because you, you, you're the bad guy all the time. You're like the parent who always has the reprimand. And then eventually they're like... Every, the, the comment is always, and I think it even happened with you know, Brad Scott at North Melbourne. You just get to the point where you've been the bad parent too many times yeah. and they can't find the fun. And then some cool new coach with yeah. no responsibilities. Yeah, some weekend you know, dad. Uncle. Yeah, exactly. Some bloody weekend dad is like taking you to the movies in Disneyland. and But he doesn't have to make you do your homework. You know, he's just reaping the benefits of the fact that he's got smart kids. But it's, all, you know, it's Brendan Bolton who's been making them do their homework every night. So they always talk about playing with a newfound freedom. And I all, 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 I always think that's what that means, right? That you've got sick of hearing the message and being told and you've got a moment where you can just enjoy yourself. Yeah, no, that's definitely what it felt like. I tell you, someone who's not enjoying himself right now 
is Ross Lyon. Now, did you see that press conference Ross gave? I mean, oh, I love a grumpy Ross. I really, I, I love a, a grumpy Ross and I love a Ross who starts issuing threats. <laughs> like, they're going to take matters into their own hands. If Nat Fife keeps copping the treatment he's getting, he's going to take matters into his own hands. What does that mean? What does that look like, do you think? Well, I would like to think that it looks like Ross Lyon. Well, you know, when the opposition players... Uh, line up with their coaches before the game and they're all, you know, just having a moment together. Ross Lyon walks over to the coach of the opposition team, uh, stares at some of the players and goes, whew, Marcus Bontempelli's got a pretty uh, good-looking knee there, hasn't he? <laughs> Be a uh, real pity, real pity if anything happened to that pretty knee during this game, wouldn't it? But what does it actually mean? Like, uh, like I'm serious. What can he do? Is it? Is he saying it's about retribution? Is he saying it's more about, you know, he's just going to start bringing in players who are whose primary job is to physically protect Nat Five? And does that mean that they are proactively going out to hurt players that are tagging Nat Five? I mean, I think it's a. It, I think it's an empty threat. I mean, I, I think it's a threat that's meant to provoke the umpires, making sure that Nat Five. It, to me, this is one of those classic. You talk about it. So that you know that Nat Fife's going to get a good you know, protection and run from the umpires next week. Do you think it is? I heard one commentator say that he thinks it's Ross trying to distract from the fact that the team is playing so badly. Uh, I, I think it's more that Ross watched the game on the weekend and realized that he only had one good player and it was Nat Fife. And if he has to sacrifice those other 17 useless <laughs> assholes for Nat Fife, he is willing to do it because there's only one player that's keeping them in the games. Well, Nat Fife and Michael Walters. Uh, it's funny, Lockie Neal, same thing, that w- same things, targeted player, but that was it backfired so badly. Ken Hinckley actually coming out before the game and saying, this is what we're going to do. If you're going to do that, you have to kind of like actually have it come to something. To do that and then just get completely humiliated, especially by the player that you said you were going to rough up, it's so embarrassing. Well, I mean, that first quarter couldn't have worked out worse for it. <laughs> like, so in, in that, like, it's like, what we're going to do is concentrate all quarter on making sure every player on our team runs over and, you know, like bumps over Lockie Neal. And Brisbane's like, okay, while you're doing that, we're going to kick seven goals. <laughs> yeah, Lockie. Just here's the thing. You're going to get bumped for the first quarter, but the rest of us are going to go nuts in front of goals. Yeah. Now, I was on the Brisbane... That moment, it was the greatest moment of the game, though. Did you see the Mitch Robinson moment? Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's what Mitch Robinson's good for, right? That kind of stuff. More of that. (laughs) Just perfect. Like, you know, Lockie Neal gets uh, bumped over. If you haven't seen it, people, you've got to see it because it's like Lockie Neal, it's just completely unnecessary. He's going to the boot, the bench. He gets uh, bumped from behind. But Mitch Robinson is coming on at the same time and Mitch Robinson kind of runs onto the ground and then just follows in the interchange area over to the other bench and just does a, (laughs) you want to come out here and fucking do that? Yeah, try and and do it to my uh, face. It was awesome. Yeah. Like it's and good. mouthed some words that rhymed with uh, meek runt, I believe. <laughs> oh, is that? Wow, you really analysed those. I didn't get that close on it. No, I love that. <laughs> we don't really have goons like they do in ice hockey, but there are enforcers. And it's a bit of an old school thing. I don't really. We don't really have an enforcer at the Saints at the moment, but back in the day it was someone like Aaron Hamill or whatever. And that's what you want. It's the bloke who's going to be like, mate, next time you go for the ball, you better have like eyes in the back of your head because you are copping it. 
I'd like to know if he actually got his revenge because I get the feeling that that would have been eating away at Mitch Robinson for the rest of the game. Like he would have been waiting for an opportunity where he could just line a bloke up and iron him out. Yeah, I'd like to think that after the game, Mitch Robinson has found out where they stayed. Uh, what gone to the hotel? Yeah, paid off one of the local. Uh, Strapped himself hotel under the team bus like Robert De Niro on Cape Fear. <laughs> Uh, did you catch the North Bombers game? Voila. I um, <clears throat> I did. I did watch North and Bombers. It was a really uh, two good. They two teams playing pretty well. Like I thought. Did you watch it? Yes. I um. I mean, it's always a pleasure when um, McDonald Tippenwood is playing well. Yeah. Like if you can watch a guy, he, that, he's one of those genuine stars. Where some some weeks. You know, he, he he doesn't do a lot at the moment, but the the weeks when he's turning it on, you're like, oh, this is great. Like, I this is why I like watching footy. He might be the Bulldogs next year. That's the talk. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. Have you not heard that? No. He's out of contract, and the dogs are definitely interested in in Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Yeah, I think oh he'd be God. a good fit down with Noble. Absolutely, he would be. That's right. You know what? They got Stringer, and he's playing really well again now. Yeah, we're, we're taking Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody. <laughs> Although, I guess it's a. I mean, isn't you have a priority on getting some like key like key position players, right? Big bodies. I mean, technically, that's what we need. But if we can get Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody, I'm in. <laughs> but is he? I mean, is he one of those? But he's an icing on the cake kind of player, right? He's not like yes. meat and potatoes. Do you need icing no, or do you need a bit more cake? I think you need a bit more cake, oh, right? I mean, yeah, but I like icing. <laughs> I like icing more than I like cake. And so the problem is, and this is why I'm not in charge of recruiting, but if I'm offered such delicious icing, I'm like, you know what? I know I've got some icing, but this is real good icing. All right, let's uh, look ahead to this week's games. Now, again, Michael, I'm sure you've got your finger poised over it, but I have my iPad. It's fully charged, so I can take us through. All right, you're going to give us the games anyway. Okay. All right. Good. First up on Friday, it's the Crows fresh off their thumping of the Suns taking on the Bombers at Adelaide Oval. Now, this will be a good game. This could potentially be match of the round, 7th v 8th. Will, what are your tips? Is it Does it hurt the Crows to have that tune-up game against the Suns beforehand? Does it give them a false sense of confidence? No, I think this is what Adelaide needed. I actually think Adelaide needed an easy kill. You know, like they'd... I don't think that you should take personally a loss to Port Adelaide because who knows what's going to happen with Port Adelaide week to week. Oh. You know, in fact, going in in favourite against Port Adelaide is a terrible position to be in. Yeah. And I don't think we should be blaming Adelaide for the fact that they copped the mercurial Port Adelaide. Um, I think Adelaide needed a confidence boost. I reckon they needed an easy kill and um, I think that... This is yeah. I think this is just what they needed. I think they they would be. Um, I think they'd be happy. They'd be confident back at the Adelaide Oval. Essendon are good, but I'm I'm not sure that they're. I, yeah, I reckon Adelaide. Adelaide win. I was going to say, do you subscribe to the idea that because of the emotion and the release of that come from behind win from the Bombers, that maybe they'll find it hard to get up again the following week? I just think with the Bombers, they haven't built enough trust for me. 
Like I, I don't rely on them week to week to be a, a, a great team. And I still think they're a bit undermanned and there's a couple of players who aren't playing well and they're relying too much on, you know, a, a, a few players playing really well. So if they don't have that thing where a few players play really well, no, I, no, I'm, I don't. Yeah, I, it's a bit of a toss of the coin, but I would say Adelaide. Yeah, they're two teams that I can't quite get a beat on this season either. Like where their position seven and eighth feels about right to me. If it was anywhere between seventh and twelfth, I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense for where these two teams are this year. Uh, I'll pick the Crows. Yeah. Richmond and Port Adelaide at the MCG. Yes, Tigers taking on the power. So Port Adelaide. <laughs> After last week's humiliation, coming up against a resurgent Richmond, definitely will win this game, right? This is the game that they'll yeah, win. Well, if we're going to tip based on less on form and more on what teams do you know, natural DNA is, yeah, then Port Adelaide are going to win this, and that's my lock of the week. All right, Tigers. Were I learned very... from last week not tipping Collingwood on backs against the wall. Yeah. I'm going to tip Port Adelaide being Flaky. completely. Yeah, yeah, opposite day. Opposite the Costanzas day. of the competition. <laughs> yeah, if you go down to Alberton, they all wear shoes on their heads <laughs> and hamburgers eat people. <laughs> uh, Carlton take on the Suns at Marvel Stadium. Uh, 17th versus 18th, but the gulf between these two clubs could not be bigger. Carlton riding high on their big win over the Swans last weekend, taking on, I mean, look, there's, We've hardly talked about it, but it feels like there's really nothing else to say. It's just, it's a sad story. It's a sad story what's happening up on the Gold Coast. Uh, I repeat the position that I've always had, bulldoze the entire thing into the ocean. Um, I, I, I know, I, I can't say Gold Coast. I think Gold Coast are, are done for the year, and um, I think that the, this is a good one for the Blues. Do you relocate the Suns to Tasmania? Would that be ironic? Yeah, bring the sun to Tasmania. No, it'd be an accurate metaphor for global warming. Yeah. <laughs> that it's increasingly getting sunnier in Tasmania and we bring the suns to Tasmania. It makes complete sense. Uh, I'm going to tip the blues in that game. Carlton, uh, Carlton, the Giants take on Collingwood up at Giant Stadium. It's not called Spotless anymore, is it? Gia. It's the Gia Caridis Stadium. Oh, the Gia Caridis Stadium. Yeah. Uh, now, the Daniel G and Syracuse Stadium. Haven't, hasn't the shine come off the Giants? Uh, Cogs potentially could come back this year, but he's definitely out for the foreseeable future. I think Josh Kelly is still out as well. They've just got too many injuries. They have been crueled by injuries, Will. Collingwood coming off their fantastic win last week. Now, their backs are off the wall, right? They'd be favourites going into this yes. game. Their backs, they will be favourites. Their backs are against, off the wall. Still got some injuries, though. You know, and Pendlebury might be out as well. That's that's definitely you'd st- you're man- maneuvering backs towards the wall still. It's a bit of a fifty fifty game. I watched the Giants though; they looked ordinary. I I wasn't impressed at all with the Giants. Um, so I reckon Collingwood. Collingwood. I'm gonna pick the Giants in this game. I just feel like going for the back. I'm just gonna all my tips for the rest of the year will be based on team DNA, and I think that Collingwood have had a good week of press. Everyone's going to tip them. They're going to lose. <laughs> On to the Brisbane Lions. My new By the fo- way, if, if that's what happens this week, yeah. you're going to get a whole lot of new subscribers to Backs Against the Wall as a way to tip. <laughs> if that's, 
I think that's a good... I like the idea of making bold predictions like that. Yeah. It's maverick. Yeah. And I'm going to get on board. If they if they win, I'm getting on board on Backs to the Wall as my sole basis of tips next week. Brisbane Lions take on North Melbourne in another fantastic contest. Uh, Brisbane just so impressive at the moment. They're... Uh, they're exciting. I think they're everyone's second team right now, aren't they? They're the fairy tale of this year. They're the Bulldogs of 2016 or the Tigers of 2017. And they're just so good to watch. Mm. Like, they are such an entertain. And I thought they might struggle a bit without Hodge, but they are on every line of that team, there's somebody who might be an All-Australian. Yeah. Like, they're actually a really good football team. Yeah. And, gee, just some, yeah, the, the next rung down of players are all playing out of there. Like, no Hipwood, no Hodge on the weekend and still looked like one of the best three or four teams in the competition. I mean, we have made so much fun of Chris Pagan, Dennis Fagan on this show. Like, you know, that he's, that he's uh, what's a face from The Simpsons? He's, Old Gil. Old Gil. Gil Gunderson. That he's everyone's bumbling dad, whatever. But He's done such an amazing job. And I remember when they hired him, I'm like, why are they getting this old bloke? Like, youth. It's all about young, looking like the Scott brothers. You know, look at Bevo. It's, get someone who can skateboard and wears a baseball cap backwards. Don't get that old Don't get fella. someone who, if they go down a slide, does their <laughs> hamstring. <laughs> but he's done such a good job. I mean, it's funny. Like, in start, I think it's a year ago, maybe two years ago, we were sort of, we were, we were calling... We were announcing the death of Queensland football. Uh, I think the Lions, who knows? that? Hopefully they're not the Melbourne of this year, you know, that they charge into the finals and they get humiliated in the prelim. Hopefully they, I'd like to see them go all the way. I'd love to see them make a grand final. What happens from there is anyone's guess. But they, as someone whose team won't be playing in the finals, that will be the team that I'll be backing. That's the one I want to, I want to watch in the finals. I absolutely agree. And they're so entertaining and just... Like, and yeah, I agree with, um, I, I was watching on the weekend that, and I guess this is what it's, what Saints were trying to do with Richo, wasn't it? That they were trying to get that sort of mature, older, it, the club needed that. But it does feel like he's exactly what Brisbane needed. Yeah. That Brisbane needed somebody who was like that old wise head. They didn't need, it's not the Brisbane way. Yeah. Brisbane don't want to be told what to do by a, a young person. By, Brisbane wanted like a a dad. Yeah. An older sort of dad type. Well, Lee Matthews is yeah, a bit say. of a dad type. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, uh, your dad isn't bloody drafting Brendan Favola. Your dad's not going to be silly. No. That's just bloody. That's oh, just... Dad's gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, you know, the other thing is they've had a real strategy of how they've recruited. They've recruited people to stay in Brisbane. So they've got, for example, a country footballer recruitment strategy. Did you know this? No. So they uh, intentionally, if they're picking between two players, will pick one who comes from the country rather than from the city because they don't think the home the homesick factor's there. Oh. So so they get these country kids who are used to sort of, I mean, you know, they don't, they're not longing to go back to where they're from, but also they don't have that connection to a Melbourne or a, you know, an, an Adelaide or whatever it is where they're like, that's my home. They would have had to travel to play football anyway. So the idea of travelling you know, to Brisbane, Brisbane instead. But also, Brisbane's a pretty good starter city. Yeah. Like, if you're a country Victorian kid, sometimes you don't want to go into the sort of hectic Melbourne lifestyle, but, yeah. you know, go and play AFL in Brisbane. So they've done this really specialised recruiting program to sort of try to get people who will stay there. Yeah. They are the uh, they are the, 
the the human interest story. They are the heartwarming story of the year. Brisbane Lions, can they go all the way? And they've also got a friends recruiting policy. Did you know this? They try to recruit people who are friends. All oh, right, I thought it was like people only people who have seen all nine seasons of the sitcom Friends. Yeah, no, they want to get a, a girl called Monica yeah. and then a Ross and a Rachel. Yeah. No, they they so uh, part of whatever that guy is who played at Geelong who just had a really bad luck with injuries for seven years who now is an absolute gun at Brisbane who's Lockie Neal's mate. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, McCarthy. No. McCartney? Yeah. McCarthy. Uh, it's McCarthy. Anyway. Yeah. I can't remember what his name is, but yeah. he's Lincoln. Yeah, Link, Lincoln McCarthy. McCarthy. Lincoln yeah. McCartney? McCartney. Lincoln, Lincoln McCarthy. Paul McCartney. Um, <laughs> Paul McCartney. <laughs> he's having a great season. Yeah. And him and Lockie Neal, I think, are mates. But they've done it with like young recruits as well, which is the idea that yeah, you're more likely to stay if your mate plays for the same team. So they've just been smart about the way they put it together. And you know who puts that sort of stuff in place, Charlie? Who? A dad. A dad. Yeah. A bloody dad. Yeah, let his mates come over. Let him have a sleepover. Yeah, exactly. Bring your mates. You'll enjoy it more if his friend's here. <laughs> and so after all that, I'm tipping north. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like Brisbane are due to lose one. Uh, yeah, and like this could definitely be it. But I'm going to save my one that... Uh, Brisbane are going to lose for when they play the Bulldogs in a couple of weeks because we need it more than Norths do. So I'm going to say Brisbane. Uh, Frio take on Sydney Swans, 13th versus 14th. Another close game. Frio at home again. Uh, geez, everyone has just really gone sour on Frio. It's so funny. It only seems like six weeks ago, and it was only six weeks ago, that everyone was talking about their finals chances. But now it's like Ross is gone. They've got no good players. They are... People's opinion of the Dockers are as fickle as the Dockers themselves. Yeah, I, I reckon that's true. And I think that Ross just isn't loved in Western Australia. Like, And I think that th- this is kind of the reason why. You know, th- you, they just can't consistently get it together. They promise a lot and then they just, yeah, it just doesn't quite, something over there doesn't seem to be working. Do they scrap and get a win over the Swans in this game? I mean, what's it worth? Both these teams aren't playing finals now. So what's the motivation? I mean, who has the most pride? It's the Bloods, right? Yeah, the Bloods have a lot of pride, but the Bloods are just going. They're, like, I mean, they're, I think they're doing pretty well for what the, the team they've got, you know? Um, but I don't know. It's like Frio, like, you know, in that great unpredictable way, after this week of everybody, you know, Nat Fife will get a good run from the umpires. Uh, Ross has put that in the water. It's been a lot of... You know what? I'm going to say Freya. I'm going to say Freya when at home. Okay, I'm going to pick the Swans. On Sunday, the Cats take on the Hawks in what is always a belter. First place is 11th. Not ideal, but I feel like the Hawks will rise to the occasion. It's at the MCG. Uh, Cats just got it done against the Saints. You felt like they were just like hovering. They'd never really gotten to top gear. They just sort of did what they needed to do. I mean, what I noticed about that game is that when you have the top line, top line talent that they have. All it takes is for those guys to get together at halftime and go, you know what? Why don't we just play a little bit better? <laughs> Why don't we just like take a few grabs? And- yeah, we don't have to play our best. Yeah. But if we could just play a little bit better, that'll get this done. I mean, because all of a sudden in the third quarter, Dangerfield's fucking everywhere, marking things. Then the Ablett kicked those two goals in a minute. Did you see those two goals? Yeah. Just like vintage Ablett. Never in doubt at any stage, was it? No, it's... um. They are a really good team. It's hard to tell after the bye whether they're just, you know, just like you said, just doing what they need to do a bit um, to get sort of ready before the finals or whether 
you know, they are a little wobbly, but it's just hard to tip against Geelong. You know, I think Geelong Hawthorne, it is one of those things where, you know, doesn't really matter where they are on the ladder. And Hawthorne have taken down some pretty good teams recently. Like mm-hmm. they are definitely capable of having a win against like a top side. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I've been on Geelong all season and I'm not, I've not seen enough reason to get off Geelong. So I'm going to say Geelong. I think that the Cats, they got figured out by the Bulldogs. I think that Richo went in with actually a pretty good strategy. Obviously not bloody good enough, but he went in with a pretty good strategy against the Cats. So I think if you give that to Clarko, who's probably the best coach in the game, maybe the best coach of all time, I think that they're a Won't real good know shot. until we do the super coach uh, round and we find <laughs> out how he goes with the fucking Suns. But uh, I'm going to pick the Hawks and that's my luck of the week. Not as inspiring as last week. You've, you've made some good bold calls this week in your predictions. I'm, I've got to be. I'm, I'm a little in your corner, like okay. in the way that it'd just be more entertaining if yours came off. That yeah. it would be the the sensible course. I'm like, this guy's got some wild and crazy ideas. Yeah, well, I and tend I like it. I tend to, I tend to dip. Uh, I tend to tip uh, for good storylines as opposed to what will logically happen. <laughs> I mean, that is actually good because it's much more rewarding when it comes off. Yeah, and you look like a genius. I mean, it's kind yeah. of that thing of like if you, you know. If you hit on like a hundred girls and only like three say yes, well, you know, you still look like a stud. Yeah. People are sitting around town with three girls. <laughs> uh, Melbourne take on the Eagles at T.O. Uh, Traeger Park. Is that, that's Darwin, isn't it? Uh, Alice Springs. Alice I Springs. Um, oh, maybe Darwin. Is it Alice Springs or Darwin? Uh, Melbourne's, inter- Alice Springs. Melbourne's interminable season continues to chug along, uh, taking on the Eagles who will be desperate Desperate to make amends. Who wins this game, Will? The West Coast Eagles win this game, Charlie. Yeah, that's right. I mean, nothing about it makes you think that Melbourne will win, does it? Like, Melbourne aren't that team that surprises you. No. In fact, I thought Melbourne played pretty well against the Bulldogs. And, it, but, but why? What's the point? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true. What is the point of anything, Will? What is the point of life? There is none. We're all going to die. Everything is random. There's no meaning to anything. Anyway, that was uh, Goodwin's address to the players. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he just goes out in a black skivvy smoking a cigarette. He's been reading some Camus. <laughs> He's like, oh, life is meaningless. This contest is meaningless. <laughs> All right. Final game is the two guy, the inaugural two guy, not inaugural. It's the uh, annual two guys, one cup cup. Uh, first time the Bulldogs and the Saints have met this season. 15th versus 10th. Despite the fact that West Coast and Collingwood have played each other five times in the last three months. Yeah. <laughs> the draw is funny. The fixture is funny sometimes. And I know that includes finals and stuff. But like when I was watching Collingwood-West Coast the other night, I was like, geez, we've watched it. Like, it feels like I've watched these teams play each other a lot recently. And then they, yeah, the stat was they've played five times in three months of Playing. It does seem bizarre that it's taken till round 18 for our two teams to meet. Like, right. I mean, earlier we had a technical problem where the podcast got shut down. I feel like the AFL is against us. They're like, we don't want these two idiots rabbiting. We want to give them any fuel for their silly, dinky little podcast. Well, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they're actually, you know, they, they know that yeah, our friendship is important to us doing this podcast because there's no financial reason for us to do this. <laughs> and yet we try to find the time every week despite you know being in different cities to you know put this podcast out you know we don't make any money from it where the afl have clearly gone well we've got to protect their friendship 
we've got to schedule the Saints and the Bulldogs so far into the season that, you know, they can be, you know, they can just be happy with each other up until that point. And, you know, look, there might have been something interesting happened at one of the clubs by then. A coach has been sacked or something. <laughs> so uh, there, there has been some rumours about getting Bevo back to St Kilda. Maybe this is a chance for Bevo to check out, you know, just take a look. Take a look at the club that he might be coaching in uh, 2020. You know the only way he'll be coaching the Saints in 2020? How? That if uh, the Bulldogs are in top spot and the Saints are in 18th and it's coach swap round <laughs> in your face. <laughs> so um, I, I believe that Bevo's happy at the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs are happy with Bevo. He's not leaving. Um, What's going I believe on with Marcus that- Bontempelli's kicking for goal this year? What's happened to well, him? Well, he's been te- he's been terrible at it. But he used to be good, right? He used to be fine. Okay. I don't, he's always been a great field kick. He's never been an amazing shot for goal, right. in my opinion. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's one of those classic examples of a guy who needs someone leading in the crowd. Like, you know, if the Bulldogs mascot, if Wolfer was up there leading in the crowd <laughs> and he just had to kick it to Wolfer <laughs> through the middle of the goals, he'd never miss. But um, I, uh, he's had a great season though, Bond. He's he's had an excellent. I mean, Dunkley, we should mention who I I've mentioned a lot because I just am so impressed with the way he plays. But he is having that game he played on the weekend was one of like the great games by any individual during the season. Well, I'm actually going to be at your place when this game is on. What we could potentially do is maybe record next week's two guys one cup because it's the last game of the round, so we can have the game on and we can talk about the games and commentate on our game while we watch it. What do you reckon? Oh, Seems like I a mean, lot of watching, work. I mean, well, let's see. Let's yeah. not promise too much. If, if nothing else, we'll do, record it afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That, like, let's not put too much pressure on recording it during. That might be the thing that breaks us fucking apart. <laughs> and the fact that we have to play you with a bloody new coach. And this is bad timing for the Bulldogs. I'm already paranoid about this game now. And we really need to win because we could still make the final. Oh, I didn't realize you were that tense, right? Of course. See, I'm relaxed. No, I'm, I'm tense I'm, I'm again cool. now. I'm like, for me, it's just like a gimmick yeah. match. Let's just do all this kind of stuff. I forgot that you actually are emotionally invested still. Well, because we have to win, you know, basically... Like to to be guaranteed a final spot because of our bad percentage, we have to pretty much win all the games for the rest of the season. We probably can drop one or maybe two at the most, but definitely we could only drop one. And this smells to me like a prime game for us to drop. You've been saying that all year. Every game you're like, this is a game we'll probably lose. You need to bloody get out of that loser mindset, Will. I'm a Bulldogs fan, Charlie. It's very hard. Um, I think, yeah, okay. Well, the, Bull- the Bulldogs need to win. I always pick, pick the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs will win. I'll pick the Saints with Brett Ratton in charge. Uh, bounce back, emotion factor. We'll take this one out. And that's the show or, for this uh, week. Brett, uh, Brett Jacken, he's changed his name to. I've just, <laughs> yeah. It's just been reported by Tom Brown. <laughs> Jack Jacko Jackson. <laughs> Jack Jacko Jacken. Uh, that's the show for this week. Do we have anything to promote, Will? Uh, I'm doing a show in Darwin called Will Legal. Um, and uh, there are still some tickets available. We have other podcasts, as you mentioned earlier, Tofop. Uh, there's a new episode of Fofop this week. And, oh, for footy fans, uh, Willosophy this week, my guest is uh, Schwatter, Wayne Schwoss. We're not, we don't talk a lot. We don't talk a lot about footy, really. We talk a lot about um, mental health and things like that. But uh, if you're a footy fan and you're a fan of Schwatter, he is a guest on my Willosophy podcast this week. Go to tofop.com to check out that podcast and many other great podcasts. Play on, not 15.
a ball. We are two guys, one car.